0: Very pleasant good morning to each one of you. My Bible is opened at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and I would uh, invite you to open your Bible there as well. As many of you know, this is the uh, fifth Sunday, and we, uh, on the fifth Sundays, take our worship hour, the third uh, session this morning, to think about Jesus Christ, to focus on Him specifically, to think about the cross, to think about his death, burial, and resurrection, and our partaking of the Lord's Supper and matters related to that. And so Brent is going to be bringing a lesson to us in that hour to help us focus on those things. But in this hour, we're going to continue to focus upon Jesus Christ and to think about the cross this morning. I don't think that anything that I have to say in this session will... uh, invade Brent's territory too much, but I hope that it will go along well, at least get our minds uh, in gear of thinking about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and uh, what he has done for us and the great privilege and blessing that we have to be called followers of his and the work that he has given us to do to take his good news message to a lost and a dying world. Another day, another accusation. Another day, another outrage. Another day, another disease. Another day, another shooting. Another day, another death. As a 24-hour news cycle just continually spins, in our world, we are inundated with a constant stream of bad news. And so in the midst of that kind of environment, in the midst of such bad news that is continually poured our way, those of us who belong to Christ need to remember that we have something that is encouraging. We who are followers of Christ have something that is described as good news. We have something exciting to offer to our world. It is the good news of Jesus Christ. Or as the Apostle Paul, I believe, is describing here in our text that we're going to look at this morning for 1 Corinthians chapter 1, it is the word of the cross. That's what we want to do for a few minutes this morning. And I realize in this session I only have a few minutes. But we want to look at the words of the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and consider this good news message. Consider what Paul has to say to us about the word of the cross. It is a message that we as followers followers of Christ desperately need to hear every day of our life. It is a message that we need to constantly remind ourselves of. But it's also a message that we as Christians need to be preaching and teaching and living in our world today because our world so desperately needs the word of the cross. If your Bible or if you're reading on a device this morning is open there to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, read along with me beginning at verse 18 down through the end of the chapter. The apostle writes here, "'For the word of the cross is foolishness "'to those who are perishing, "'but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. "'For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise "'and the cleverness of the clever I will set aside.'" Where is the wise man? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God the world through its wisdom did not come to know God, God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For indeed Jews ask for signs and Greeks search for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified to Jews a stumbling block and to Gentiles foolishness but to those who are the called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For consider your calling, brethren, that there were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong and the base things of the world, and the despised God has chosen, the things that are not, so that He may nullify the things that are, so that no man may boast before God, but by His doing you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption, so that, just as it is written, let him who boast boast in the Lord." As we think about these words that the Apostle Paul is writing to this church and as we're reading and considering them this morning, as we focus again our attention on particularly the word of the cross, I want us to first of all consider that the word of the cross is one message, but there are two responses that Paul gives us here. Two responses to that one word, to that one message that were true in his day, and are still true for us today. Number one, Paul says to us that the word of the cross is foolishness to those whom the world would consider to be wise. Notice again, back at the very beginning of this discussion at verse 18, he begins with this particular thought. He says, for the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. Again, at verse 21, for since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God. God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached. And then at verse 22, he says that Greeks are searching for wisdom, Jews are looking for signs, but we, Paul and his preaching companions and we who preach and teach the gospel today, we preach Christ crucified to Jews a stumbling block and to Gentiles foolishness. Who is it? that is perishing as Paul begins this thought back in verse 18, saying that the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. Well, I believe Paul defines or describes for us, he identifies for us, if you will, those who are perishing. He doesn't, of course, give us any specific names. He's not giving us individuals. But he is just talking about a group or a class of people. He is describing for us those who are perishing. It is those who are worldly wise those who have, are going after the wisdom of the world and basing their life on the wisdom of the world. This includes both people who are religious and people who are non-religious, people who we might describe as just being very worldly people. He says again there at verse 22 that those who are not Christians, those who are outside of Christ, they're Jews, they're searching for signs, Those who are outside of Christ who are Gentiles or Greeks, they are searching for wisdom. And so it can be those who were born Jews that consider themselves to be very religious people, but they're not followers of Christ. But it also includes those who have had no connection to Christ whatsoever in the past. Those who are Greeks that are living their life based on worldly thinking, worldly philosophy. To those who are perishing, to those who are worldly wise... Paul makes the point here again that the gospel to them is foolishness. It is something when they look at the word of the cross, it is something that seems very foolish to them. It is something that seems like it doesn't have any meaning or purpose to them. It is something that seems like a ridiculous message, a useless message. There is no place or room in their life for the word of the cross. It is, as he says here to the Jews, a stumbling block. It is a barrier that... Many Jews did not overcome. It is a barrier that they had to overcome, whether really they were Jews or Gentiles. It's a barrier that many people today cannot overcome to follow Christ when they consider the word of the cross. And I believe that is so because there are so many people just like back in Paul's day, There are so many people that are living around us today that are looking in the wrong places for the answers to humanity's problems as we began our discussion just a few minutes ago. When accusations are flying amongst God's creation, amongst those of us who have been made in His image and according to His likeness, when there is outrage among us as people, when when there are people who are being slaughtered needlessly, innocent, killings, and all of these problems that we suffer that really go back to the root cause of sin coming into our world, that people see all of those things as problems, as challenges, as things we need to overcome. But so many people are looking in the wrong places. There are people just like the Jews of Paul's day who are seeking signs, they're they're waiting for some miraculous, mysterious power to come along and to rescue us or save us from our predicament. There are others like the Greeks that are looking for wisdom. They say, well, the answer to our world's problems, to humanity's problems, is going to be found in logic. And we just need to become more academic and we need to have more education and we need to become more intellectual people. We need to be more, quote, factual and just follow the facts, and we as people can solve all of our problems. Paul takes our minds back to the word of the cross. And he says to us in this whole discussion, if you look there at verse 23 again, he says, we, the apostles, preachers of the first century, preachers today, we preach Christ crucified. That is a nice, uh, neat way, I think, to summarize the gospel message. That the gospel message, the very heart of the gospel, is Christ crucified. It is a message which the wise of the world think, again, it's just a very absurd message. It seems very strange to them. They think, well, that's just an old wives' tale. We, we have advanced as a civilization, as a society, as humanity, past the point of needing the gospel of Christ, past the point of the word of the cross, we we are far better than that. That's just kind of a crazy, outdated myth to many people in the world. To those who are worldly wise, whether they consider themselves to be religious or not, many of those people filter God's message, the word of the cross, his message of how we are reconciled to Him through the cross of Christ, of how we are redeemed from our sins, of how we are uh, taken out of captivity, how we are no longer slaves, we are set free from slavery or bondage to sin. They take that good message that we believe and they filter that message through their own arrogant, supposedly sophisticated lens. Again, that we are living in a day and a time in our culture, especially in our society, our nation, that has pretty much could be described as being post-God, post-gospel. We have tried that, many people think, and it didn't work. It didn't solve our problems. And so this is the first response to this foolishness to those who are wise. Worldly people oftentimes will make fun of the word of the cross, if we try to talk to them about the, the cross of Jesus Christ, they may say to us things like, you, you know, you poor ignorant J- Jesus fanatics. <laughs> You're following a man who died on a cross over 2,000 years ago. How, how in the world do you think a man that hung on a cross in the Middle East is going to save you from anything? How do you think he is going to solve all of these problems that we are dealing with as a society today? They may even say things like, we don't need Christ to save us. We can save ourselves. We have become smart enough that now we can save ourselves. Well, how is that working for us? If you look around into our society, our world today, that's, that's not solving our problems, is it? We don't know the answers to our problems without God, without Jesus Christ. Paul, as he talks about the wisdom of the world here in verses 19 and 20, I believe he is saying to us that the wisdom of the world isn't very wise. It is not something that is helpful because it is not from God. It is not of a divine origin. It is some wisdom that is not dependable. We know that, don't we, just uh, from our own experience, if we've lived in this life for any amount of time, that the wisdom of the world today is one thing and tomorrow it's something else and the next day and a year from now And five years from now, it may be totally opposite of what the wisdom of the world is today. That the wisdom of the world just all over the place because it is not from God. We can't depend on it. It's not reliable like God's wisdom is. And the wisdom of the world, Paul says to us in verse 21, does not lead us to a knowledge of God. Whether we're thinking about an intellectual knowledge of God that we know information or facts about our God or whether we're thinking about an experiential knowledge of God, that we have experienced God, if you will, in our life, because we put God's word into practice in our life. We have lived it, and we know that it's true. In fact, Paul says the exact opposite about the wisdom of the world, if you're looking there again at verse 21. For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God. The wisdom of the world doesn't help us come to know God. In fact, I would say to you that it does the exact opposite. That if we follow the wisdom of the world, it's going to lead us away from God. It's not going to draw us closer to Him. Even though that's true to the worldly wise, Paul is making the point here in our text that the word of the cross to the worldly wise is foolish. The second response to the word of the cross Paul says in this text is that it is wisdom. It is wisdom to those whom the world considers to be foolish. Notice again, verse 18, he says, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And then down at verse 24, Paul talks about those Jews and Greeks who are in Christ. It doesn't matter what our background is. It doesn't matter uh, what, what our earthly status or standing is. If we are in Christ, he says, but to those who are the called, both Jews and Greeks, here is how we look at the word of the cross. Here is how we look at Christ. Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than the men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. As we ask the question about the first group and their response to the word of the cross, who it is that is perishing, we can ask the same question here. On the flip side of that, who is it that is being saved? Well, Paul describes for us and tells us exactly who that is. Again, he doesn't name specific names, but he's telling us these are the kinds of people who are being saved. It is those whom the world considers to be foolish. It is us, brothers and sisters, those of us who are followers of Christ. It is those of us to whom the word of the cross and Christ himself is the power of God, is the wisdom of God. We don't see this as a foolish, weak message. We don't see Christ as a foolish, weak man as he walked here upon this earth. No, Christ is the power of God to us. He is the wisdom of God. Even though, as we just spoke about, the wise of this world, they see the message of Christ as being something that is ridiculous, something that is weak. Paul says, in contrast to that, we see the word of the cross and Christ Himself as being God's power. Because we know that it is the gospel message that has the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. It doesn't matter if we're Jew or Greek. As Paul would state in Romans chapter 1 and verse 16, it is that message, that good news about Jesus Christ, Christ and Him crucified. And more than that, Him raised from the dead. But that whole message about Jesus Christ, it is that message, it has the power Not not so much this physical book or the tablet that you are reading from this morning, but the word itself, the message itself, because it is about Christ. It has the power to save us, to bring us into a relationship with our God. To those of us whom the world considers oftentimes to be fools, Paul is telling us that the word of the cross is God's wisdom. Notice again, as we've already looked at at verse 24, that Christ is to us the power of God. He is the wisdom of God. And then at verse 30, as if, to, as if Paul was wondering maybe these brethren didn't get it, or as if to emphasize again what he is trying to get across here, that in Christ Jesus, that Christ became to us wisdom from God. We can look at Christ himself, Christ being in the flesh Uh, truth embodied in the flesh. God's wisdom embodied in a human being. And we can look at his life. We can look at his example. We can look to his miracles. We can look to his teaching. We can look at all of those conversations that we have recorded for us in the Gospels and see how we interacted with people and see where his mindset always was. And we can know God's wisdom. We can see God's truth in action in a human life. What better way could God have chosen to reveal Himself to us than by sending His Son, Jesus Christ, to explain Himself? Isn't that where the Apostle John begins his gospel in John chapter 1 in telling us that no man has seen God in any time, but the one who is the begotten of God, he has seen Him, and He has explained Him to us. We don't have to wonder who our God is. Yes, God in a sense, has explained or revealed Himself to us in the physical creation that that He has created, Psalm 19, in the first half of that psalm, that we can look out into the creation that the heavens are declaring the glory of God. The heavens, the creation that God has made around us is speaking to us, if you will, that our God is God. But we cannot really come to know God unless we look into the Word of God and especially until we look at the Son of God, Jesus the Christ, what better way could God have chosen to reveal Himself to us fully and completely than to send His Son to explain Himself to us? What better way to show His love for us than to send His Son to die for us? Romans chapter 8, at the end of that particular chapter, if God is for us, who is against us? And Paul says, we know that is true because he didn't spare his only son. He sent his son here to die upon a cross. What better way for God to demonstrate his power, his infinite power over the universe that he has created than to change those of us who are Christians from the inside out to give us victory over death, to give us this transforming gospel of Christ and to raise our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ from the dead. Yes, God has shown His wisdom to us in His Son, Jesus Christ. To those of us whom the world calls fools, we see Christ in the cross as, again, Paul says to us at verse 30, that Jesus Christ became to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. We know that were it not for Christ's death upon the cross that we would not be righteous before God, we would not be counted as righteous before Him. We know that were it not for Christ's death upon the cross that we would not be sanctified, holified people. We would not be set apart for His desires to do His will in our life. We know that were it not for Christ's death upon the cross, we would not be redeemed from our sins. We would still be slaves to sin. We would still be in that trap ensnared in sin. Therefore, to those of us who are being saved, Paul is reminding us in this text, the word of the cross is not foolishness. It's not an outdated, old-fashioned message that is no longer relevant to our lives today, to our world today. But to those of us who are being saved, we know by faith that the word of the cross is God's true wisdom. So I want to make this lesson in the few minutes that we have left very practical to each of us because maybe you've been thinking at this point, well, okay, that's, that's kind of theoretical as kind of describing just our, our world in general and we fit into one of those two categories. But What about for each of us individually? Number one, we need to ask ourselves the question, am I foolish or am I wise? As Paul is describing those two reactions to the word of the cross, When it comes to Christ and Him crucified, am I foolish or am I wise? I would assume that all of us, at least those of us who are of of age in this audience this morning, we we know the message of Christ and the cross, don't we? There's always, of course, something to learn, and, and I'm always learning. But do you and I really believe that message? Do we truly, in our heart of hearts, deep down in our souls, in the the very core of who we are, do we really believe the message, the word of the cross? And let me ask you this, and this may be kind of a test, how you can test yourself, how I can test myself as well, as to whether we really believe that, that message of Christ and the cross or not. Is the word of the cross helping me come to know God? Paul says again about the wisdom of the world, it doesn't help us come to know God. It doesn't draw us any closer to God. It moves us further away from Him. But is the message of Christ in the cross helping me come to really know who God is? Is the word of the cross changing me? Is it changing my character? Is it changing my life? Is it changing the choices that I have to make every day, whether they're little choices or big choices? Is that what the word of the cross is doing for me, or, or do we think yes, it is a true message? But you know, that's a that's a message that's two thousand years old. I don't really see what importance or relevance it has for my life every day. Even as a preacher of the gospel, I mean, I, I obviously spend a lot of time with God's word. But sadly, sometimes I find myself not thinking too much about the word of the cross or at least as much as I should in those everyday choices of life. But it is to transform us. It is to be our guide. And so am I a foolish person or am I wise? We may consider ourselves to be wise people as God would define wisdom. But if the word of the cross is not Of any practical value and effect in our life, then we need to think seriously about whether we're just like the world, whether we're following those who are foolish. Secondly, we can ask ourselves the question, am I listening to worldly wisdom or to heavenly wisdom? Uh, Do I believe God's message of Christ and him crucified to the point, again, that it influences and shapes my life? Is it just an intellectual academic exercise for me that I can list all these facts about Christ and the cross, about his resurrection, about the things that he said, the miracles that he performed while he was here? No. Are we believing God's message of Christ and him crucified to the point that it is influencing our life, that is directing our choices in life when it comes to the kind of education that we're going to have or even where we get our education when it comes to what kind of career choices we have to make, when we're thinking about marriage, whether that is the person that we're going to marry or if we're already married about the direction that we want our marriage to go, when those of us who are parents are thinking about how we're going to raise our children, how we're going to parent them, when it comes to choosing our friends, when it comes to how we view the possessions, the physical blessings that God has given to us, just every nook and cranny of our life, ought to be influenced and guided and shaped by the word of the cross. Are we really listening? We're, we're going to get into this. Uh, this is a plug for any men to come join us on Friday mornings at 6.30. Uh, but we're, we're finally toward the, the last section of James chapter 1. And he talks to us there about how, how we approach God's word. What kind of attitude do we come with when we, have, when we open God's Word? How do we respond to God's Word? And James makes it very clear there. We can't just be hearers. We have to be doers. When we are faced with problems, just like the rest of the world around us is faced with, when we have family problems, we have health problems, we have emotional problems, there are problems at work, problems at school, problems in the local church. When we face all of those problems, who are we listening to? Are we listening to the worldly experts? Or are we listening to God? We need to go back to the word of the cross because somewhere, it may take us a while to find the answers, but somewhere in the word of the cross, I believe, are the answers to all of our problems. And then thirdly, finally, very quickly, am I teaching others the word of the cross? Because we are considered to be fools in the world because we follow a man who died on a cross 2,000 years ago, We are under pressure as we have always been under pressure to conform to the world and to not stand out. But you and I as Christians, we shouldn't try to dress up Christ crucified, that message of the word of the cross. We should not try to make it more appealing in some way to the world, to make it more respectable, to to make it more believable, if you will, to the worldly wise, nor should we as followers of Christ apologize for his message of crucifixion, resurrection, and glorification. We can't change the message, beloved brothers and sisters in Christ. Rather, we as followers of Christ must be people who are living and proclaiming that message of a dying Savior's crucifixion on the cross, of His resurrection from the grave, of His reign now at the Father's right hand. You and I must be people who are boldly, yes, lovingly, with the right attitude, the right spirit, the right disposition that Christ had, but boldly and lovingly speaking of God's exclusive and eternal and wise plan of salvation and then just let the chips fall where they may. We're not trying to start an argument, I hope heart. aren't. <laughs> but the word of the cross is a controversial message. In short, I believe we must do what the apostle Paul did as he spoke about that. He really did not finish this discussion about the word of the cross, I don't think, in chapter 1. He continues on here in chapter 2, and we'll finish up just reading these few verses. Chapter 2 in verse 1, he says to this, these brethren at Corinth, When I came to you, brethren, I did not come with superiority of speech or of wisdom, proclaiming to you the testimony of God, for I determined to know nothing among you except Christ, Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling, and my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, Here's why verse 5 so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men but on the power of God. Now more than ever, brothers and sisters, we, along with our world, desperately desperately need the word of the cross. Before we dismiss to our classes, let me just ask you again, do you really believe the word of the cross? And if you say that you truly believe that word, are you living it? And if you are living it, are you teaching it? By the life that you're living and by the opportunities that God gives us to open our mouths and to confess Jesus Christ to our world. I hope these thoughts will help us today and in the days to come. Thank you so much for listening.